Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis Show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Before we dive headfirst in today's groundbreaking and perspective-altering episode, I want to share a 60-second audio with you explaining my digital holistic nutrition certification program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is a brand new recording, and I'm really excited to share it with you, so indulge me for 60 seconds and enjoy. Welcome to Holistic Health Mastery, the master's class of natural nutrition. This unique online certification program offers unparalleled wisdom on health, living foods, detoxification, longevity, and personal empowerment. Access a curriculum designed to offer far beyond the traditional teachings of nutrition, merging ancient wisdom with cutting-edge science, all delivered through an easy-to-use platform. Study each lesson at the comfort of your own home, on any device. Access over 70 video lessons and start from anywhere in the program. You are in control of the pace, where even a daily 20-30 to 30 minute investment is enough to complete the course within six months. Once you're ready, take the quiz and you're on your way to be certified as a holistic health master. In addition, you'll have access to extra features, such as monthly student support calls and an online community of students and masterminds actively discussing and sharing insights to support your education. It's time to invest in yourself and in future generations to come. Join the new leaders of natural nutrition and become a significant part of building a new paradigm in health and consciousness. So there you have it. That is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, and I'm so excited to continue to share this amazing opportunity with people all over the world. We have over 200 plus students from all over the world, and it's constantly growing. The feedback that I get on this is just really amazing, beyond my original expectations. So if you want to find out more information about this, you want to get in more details, you want to review the curriculum, or you're just ready to enroll right now, go to holistichealthmastery.com. And if you enter in the coupon code R-O-N-L-E-E, that's Ron Lee, you're going to get 10% off your enrollment fee, which can be pretty significant depending on which plan you choose for yourself. Again, that link is holistichealthmastery.com. Use the coupon code Ron Lee. So, wow. You know, there's a lot that wants to emerge through me um, and share before we jump into today's episode and what an episode we have for all of you. I am currently, as I record this, spending my last few days in Egypt um, on a two-week tour with my spiritual mentor, Michael Bernard Beckwith, and an incredible host of characters from the Agape Non-Denominational Spiritual Church in Los Angeles, 
that I've been affiliated with for many years. I've spoken there many times and likely will many times over, especially after this deep, deep experience with such amazing luminaries. But I'm sitting here just in deep reverence, in deep respect um, for such a monumental and transformative experience. And it's interesting that this comes up for me as I'm about to introduce today's episode with Alexi Panos, because she is a very deep, deep and respectful, reverential, amazing human being that's doing amazing work. And her work is shining all over the world. She's traveling all over the world. And I just couldn't be more more inspired and um enthusiastic to share this episode with all of you at this perfect time because this conversation I think wanted to happen for some time ever since I got tuned into her work via her partner Preston Smiles who who we had on the show episode 55 so if you had not checked that out make sure you do that after this episode but again this conversation um it just was really deep it was a reservoir. <laughs> it was deep and very authentic. One thing about Lexi that I picked up on very quickly is that who she is in her videos is who she is um, in conversation. You know, when you do so many of these podcast interviews and someone in my position is constantly in conversation with some very, very um, – notarized and public um, figures, you know, uh, people known all over the world, you get a sense for who's really, who is who, you know, if people kind of have, um, they kind of have a cosmetic personality on stage or in video, or are they the same person they are wherever they go? And through these conversations, you really get a feel for how people communicate and operate in Alexi. I, I, I am happy to say is who she is. And it was just such an honor to have this conversation because we dive into some really powerful territory that was very healing. You know, after this interview, I, I had connected with her just to tell her that, hey, you know what? I thought this was such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. And she even told me that it was equally powerful for her and some deep healing had occurred. And I don't really know what that was about other than the fact that there was a dynamic resonance between us. And, uh, and like I said, um, a couple minutes ago, I believe that this conversation in particular wanted to happen for some time, not necessarily because of me or her, but because there was something coming through for the benefit of all of you listening. And that's what this is all about. This is a platform to deliver and communicate transformative messages that operate on a high octave of um, loving frequencies and vibrations and can, and can invoke something very deep and shift something very deep within each one of us that makes ourselves available for the messages. So without further ado, I would love to introduce Alexi Panos and enjoy. Alexi Panos is on a mission to make personal development mainstream by synthesizing big ideas into fun, bite-sized nuggets of goodness that spread throughout the world and create a ripple effect of positivity and love. 
She does this through speaking plus facilitating workshops around the globe, dishing insights from her personal quest for truth in her books plus blogs, and knocking people's socks off with her energetic YouTube series. She is the co-founder of The Bridge Method in The Bridge Experience, which is a fully immersive and high-octane human potential training that yields incredible results. She also facilitates global leadership training programs around the world through her nonprofit Epic Everyday People Initiating Change that gives people the tools they need to implement global give-back initiatives to communities in need. It is my pleasure to bring on Alexi. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here and to be sharing space with you. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's. Um, we were talking a little bit before we jumped on the air, and I just want to say I'm just super inspired and excited to have you on. And I was sharing with you that I wasn't as deeply familiar with your individual work as I as I had been with your partner Preston's, and it blew me away to see everything that you've been doing in your own space. Um, obviously, you're doing amazing work um, in combination with Preston, but your work is starting to shine, and I couldn't be more excited than I am now to to really dive into this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful to uh, to obviously have a partner who reflects what I'm so passionate about and what I've been up to for, for so many years. And yeah, I, I love doing it alone, but it's way more fun to do it in partnership. <laughs> mm, absolutely. And that's going to be, we're, we're definitely going to touch on that theme, but um, to start us off, I really want to know, you know, how, how did your journey get started? Right. Um, this is the question that I ask every single person pretty much that comes on the show, because I'm, I'm always looking for those, those insights that make a difference. I'm looking to I'm looking to understand from somebody else's point of view what initiated a certain shift. What was that moment in time where things changed and you started to walk um, the path that's led you to what you're doing now? Yeah, I've had quite a few of those moments, and you know, I've been both really blessed and also, uh, you know, kind of in the trenches of life at the same time and, and both have produced those moments. Um, it first started for me at a young age. My mom is a psychologist and was always into personal development and self-help. And my parents split when I was young. So I'd have like an eight hour car ride to get from my mom's to my dad's house. Mm. And every car ride, my mom would listen to books on tape with Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and Marion Williamson and, you know, books on psychology. So I remember as young as eight years old, kind of realizing that these seeds were being planted. And, you know, at the time I thought it was kind of annoying to to listen to that you know I wanted to listen to Madonna or Michael Jackson or George Michael or whoever was cool at the time um but when I turned 12 and 13 and I was in that stage of of trying to identify who I was as a young adult and you know I was kind of in that awkward stage as a teenager I remembered those lessons I remembered those little you know those little seedlings that were planted at a young age and at that time I was making my own money I was modeling professionally and, and traveling the world doing that at a very young age. Um, but I was making money and I was like, you know what? I can use this money to buy whatever I want. So I would go to the bookstore and I would buy books and 
I was just so fascinated with not just the personal development world, but also the spiritual world. Um, I grew up with friends of all sorts of backgrounds. One of my best friends was Jewish. One of them was Christian. Um, one of them was into Buddhism with her family. And, and I was just so fortunate to have parents who really encouraged the exploration of that and, and really kind of the, the adventure of my own truth. And they always told me to question everything until it resonates. And I did. And I remember I read the Bible at a very young age. Um, I read, you know, Taoism, the book, the book of the Tao at a very young age. And I read about Siddhartha and his whole mm. journey to become the Buddha. And, and I just, I became obsessed. I became obsessed. I went to my ter- first Tony Robbins event at 16. I did my first intensive experiential workshop called Landmark when I was 18 years old. Um, so I started my path really early. And what's interesting is I grew up in a really small town in Erie, Pennsylvania. And because I was scouted to model at a very young age, I had this kind of taste of what the world looked like. I was traveling to New York and uh, to Miami for for the European markets. And I just was living almost two different lives. And I became really successful in both modeling and also singing. I actually entered a singing competition as a dare when I was 15 years old and I got a record contract. (laughs) It was crazy because I wasn't really a singer, but I was a performer and I, you know, I grew up taking theater and stuff like that. And, um, ended up getting a record contract, which turned into me touring the world with one of the biggest artists of that day and age. He was, you know, number one on the billboard charts for probably like three years in a row. And I was on tour with them. I went all over Europe, all over Asia, all over Africa, all over the States. And that was from basically 17 to 20 years old. And within that time, I, I kind of got lost in, in the excess and in fame and in ego and in all of these crazy happenings. You know, like I, at a very young age, I had a taste of what power looked like and what it what it tasted like and Mm. I got lost in it for a little bit and sure enough on our final it's like towards the end of our tour may have even been like the last city or or the last couple cities uh we were in Cape Town in South Africa and we had done what we did every single show which we played a big venue then we'd go on the tour bus we'd go to a nightclub whoever's sponsoring the after party we'd go party spend a bunch of money on champagne we get back on the tour bus and then head to the next spot. And as we're getting back on the tour bus after have just spending $3,000 on champagne, I look to my left and there's this shanty town. And, you know, it's a slum, a slum. And I was just like slapped in the face with reality. Like, you know, get out of your own little bubble of self. This is what the rest of the world is up against. And it was just it was just such an eye-opening moment for me. And it was a moment where I, I was faced with the truth of who I I had become and I didn't like it. You know, I felt like a fraud. I felt like I was living this like fake version of myself. Um, I was always the kid who loved helping others, who loved giving back. I used to watch the commercials of the kids in Africa who were, you know, starving to death with flies on their face. And I would say, you know, mom, I want to help them. And and that was me. I was that kid. And then somehow, some way, you know, power dangled its little carrot in front of my face. And I just, I forgot who I was. And that was my first real wake up call because I came back to New York after that tour and quit the music industry 
and said, you know, something has to change. I don't know what it's going to change into, but something has to change because this, this is not my life. I just felt like I was living somebody else's life. And, um, I got a bartending job, uh, to afford my rent in New York city because I had an expensive place. And, um, I met one of my best friends, Tanil, who her and I connected on so many different things, but she was in the music industry as well. And we both really wanted to give back. Like we wanted our lives to mean something. So, you know, at 20 years old, we had this grand idea to change the world and we had no freaking idea how we were going to do it, but we knew that we had to do it. And, you know, we let our excuses kind of win for the first, I'd say probably good year and a half. (laughs) And, you know, there wasn't enough time, not enough money, not enough access, not enough education, blah, 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 blah. You name it. We had every excuse in the book. Mm. And then one day we heard about this woman from the UK who raised like 300K for a village in Africa. And she was a school teacher. Nobody knew who she was. She wasn't Bono. She wasn't Angelina Jolie. She didn't have a ton of money. She didn't have a ton of time. She certainly didn't have the education or know how to do, you know, foreign sector work. And it was just like, she gave us total permission to say yes and to be crazy enough to follow this dream to change the world. And so we started Epic and... Here we are a decade plus later, uh, we've brought clean water to hundreds of thousands of people in Africa, in rural communities in Africa. We've developed women's programs for entrepreneurship. We've helped so many kids get back into school because now they're not out fetching water. And it's just, it's phenomenal because Epic's always been a staple in my life since its inception and since it was birthed. Um, But it's so funny because it was always kind of this thing I did on the side. So I got back into entertainment because I knew it so well. And it was like this world that I had been in since I was a kid. And I got back into modeling and I got back into television. I was doing all this stuff and making all this money and and killing it in terms of what the world would say is killing it. You know, I was making six figures in New York City. I bought my first place at 25 um, had everything I could ever want right on my goal list. I just checked everything off. And, and then I got to a point where I was like, I feel empty. I feel like I have all these things that I thought were going to make me happy. And I had all these things that I thought, like even my nonprofit, I was like, well, I'm doing good work. I'm, you know, I'm doing, I don't get it. Like, why do I still feel this hole inside of my soul? And I started doing a little digging and doing a little work and, and kind of really circling back to the work that I grew up in, the personal development, the spirituality and I recognized that I had completely emotionally shut down at around age 20. And so I started really like digging, digging, digging. I'm like, okay, what, like what happened? What happened? Sure enough, with a lot of journaling, a lot of meditation, a lot of like peeling back the layers, I uncovered a memory that I had buried so deep down in my subconscious that I actually forgot that it was there and and it was that I was raped and sexually assaulted Mm. at 20 years old in New York city. And it was crazy because it was one of those moments where it was like, of course, of course I remembered it happened. Right. But subconsciously, and now that I've, I've studied the brain a bit, subconsciously we do this to protect ourselves. You know, we, we take certain memories and we lock it away and in a vault with a code and we throw out the code and we say, okay, I'm never going to open that thing again because it's too scary. It hurts too bad. And around 26, when I realized this and and kind of came back to this, this memory in my life, 
it was a total rebirth for me. It was this total, um, just moment of remembering who I actually was and facing off with the deepest, darkest parts of myself that were not pleasant to look at. And, and it wasn't fun to go through, but I needed to, because I just realized like I had been so emotionally cut off from life. You know, I, I had been in my masculine and like getting and attaining and doing and achieving and succeeding. But in my feminine, I wasn't connecting. I wasn't surrendering. I wasn't opening. I wasn't trusting. And I was missing out on half of life. And it was really that kind of resurgence into my feminine and finding the balance of my humanity again, that, Mm. that just, it, it reignited this spark in me that I've got to share this with other people. And sure enough, I started my work with women who dealt with sexual trauma because that's what I was dealing with at that time. And so, you know, six years ago, it was all about me dealing with women who had been, you know, trafficked or had been raped or molested. Um, and that's where I started my, my coaching practice. You know, I, I went to coaching school at NYU and, and, didn't finish it because I was like, dude, I've read all these books that they're assigning me. I'm just going to get in the, you know, get in the game and go. Um, and then, yeah, and then that just turned into me. I'm still in entertainment, so I was supporting everyone on set. Like, I'd be on set at, like, a swimwear shoot, and, I'm, you know, the makeup artist is telling me about what's happening with her husband, and I'm coaching her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm realizing, holy crap, I'm coaching people everywhere in my life, and, and I love it. Like, I genuinely love it. It's not this thing that I feel like I have to do. I just I love it. Mm-hmm. I love supporting people. And so I, I came to a point in when I was in New York City where I was like, I am so filled by this work and I'm so, I'm such a student. I'll always be a student of this work and I just love sharing what I'm learning. But what I got was that the reason I was in entertainment since I was young was so that I could understand production, so I could understand how to be in front of the camera, so I could understand how to access my voice and share it so that people can actually hear it. So I could understand how to write, you know, songwriting, everything that I do now, I've combined all these things that I did for years since I was a teenager. I combined all those crazy, random, completely seeming like they're not connected things. And I connected them and said, you know what, I'm going to create content. I'm going to create content that inspires people. And I started with a podcast and that started, um, I guess that was about... 28 or 29 when I started my podcast and that turned into videos and then that turned into, you know, all sorts of things, but I was doing workshops. So I've been, I've been in it for a while. I've been in the game for a while and it, it just so happened that when I met Preston, he was in the game too. And, and we just like came together and put our superpowers together and just amplified everything that we were up to. Mm take a moment to take all that in there's so many um hmm, so many resonant points with me and uh so many interesting little uh i guess you could say like checkpoints or references that i could use to to kind of um go into a few different directions but i just want to kind of hold the space for the what everything you just shared for a moment because that's really it's just a beautiful powerful story that i'm hearing and yeah, so, you know, leaving off on that point, um, 
I have a question formulating in my mind, so everyone listening, just just bear with me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so you've been you've been you know I like what you said. You've been in the game for a while, and then that's when you met Preston, and he's been in the game for a while, and that's when you two came together at the right time, right? Yeah. So it would be very easy to assume that just on that, that I don't want to give too much energy to the, the Alexi and Preston show. I want to focus in on you, but I do find it interesting nonetheless, because perception really models so much of what we believe is true. So people see your videos and they see your dynamic together, you and Preston together, and then a, co- a concept will come about in somebody's mind of, oh, it's Alexi and Preston or, you know, whatever that whatever that perception is. But really, um, you were already doing your thing for so long. And I just really love the story that you just shared because it resonates so deeply with me, especially about how you – Um, you know, you didn't even intend to be, you know, traveling around the world, um, with other musicians. It just was like, it was like a dare or something that you just accepted a hunch. And then that, that whole world opened up to you. And I, by no means, um, believe that that was by coincidence or you just got lucky, right? That was a part of fortune for your path that you were supposed to go down that path to see what it was like to, get everything, but not get everything right to get all the worldly, um, you know, accolades and money and whatever. And then to realize that there was something deeper there. And I just actually, that's a great note that I'd love to move forward with and get your take on because that does appear to be kind of the, the, uh, I guess the fork in the road for many of us is because we are influenced by the world, and what the world dictates and to to find ourselves um i guess you could say successful or prosperous in the world and still do what we love to do so a lot of times we can become disillusioned by by our bank account um, yes. by our social media following uh you know whatever these these references for success to say that oh i made it i'm good now I can take a breath and now I can do my real work kind of thing. Right. Um, I realized for me that my real work started, um, before any of that other stuff ever came along. And I'm definitely not where I want to be on that scale, but I am who I want to be. And I found that that's right. That's the key is that if I can bring my totality to the, to the forefront, meaning that I can bring me to everything I do and I can be content with me no matter what the, the, the result is, then it actually doesn't matter what the result is because I'm solid and I'm congruent with who I am. And, um, yeah, maybe I just want to leave it off on that and just get your, get your take. Yeah. You know, that's, it's so important what you said, you know, I don't think we'll ever be where we quote unquote, want to be because I do believe like there's this innate drive within humanity where we're constantly striving for growth so I think that like the out there syndrome is always like it's always going to be moving right so I think the minute we climb one mountain we get to the top and we're like oh look another mountain now I want to go climb that one or even if it's like cool I went up this mountain now I want to go down it um I just think that's like a, a part of us so you you nailed it right it's like it doesn't matter if you're where you want to be but are you who you want to be? Like, are you mm-hmm. 
do you like yourself? You know, and, and that's such a, a simple question, but it's so powerful. And I feel like so many people don't ask themselves that powerful question enough. Do I like who I am? Do I like how I love? Do I love how I show up in the world? Do I love what I'm leaving behind? Do I love how I'm, I'm choosing and living my life? Like, do I love it or, or am I kind of playing small? Mm. Am I kind of selling out on myself? Mm. Am I kind of selling out on everyone else around me? You know, and those are big questions, but we rarely ask them of ourselves. And I think, you know, to save any of you out there time who are listening, just trust me, like money and, and stuff and acquisition, while the dopamine hit feels awesome for like the first, maybe you'll squeeze a week or two out of it. It fades. It totally fades away. The newness goes and all you're left with is yourself. And, you know, I've got, I've got a friend who's actually one of the wealthiest people on the planet. He's one of the top five wealthiest people on the planet. And he's amazing. He's a gem. He's a incredible human, but he's not happy, you know? And I just, I, I, I see him suffering because he has everything. I mean, you name it, this guy has it. He has it all. But what he doesn't have is himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know who he is. He's, he's in the process of discovering that, but God, man, like I, I hope that nobody gets that far down the road and realizes that they left themselves behind. I really, mm. I don't wish that for anyone because I've been there twice and, yeah. you know, I've gotten so far down the, the, the path that the world tells us is the path that we want, you know, the money, the fame, the mm. social media followers, whatever that's going to look like now and in five years from now. But if you leave yourself behind, what's the point? You miss the whole point. Okay, so <laughs> um, I want to I want to um, share a, just a quick story of mine to create a context for um, opening this this question up to you. It's so relevant too because um, I really love what you just said about not leaving yourself behind, and that had been um, that had been a, an issue for me because when I was put on this planet. Um, I had a sense of myself at four years old that um, I, I mean, literally the first memories of being on this planet, I tell people in my lectures all the time, like the very first memory I have is of Bruce Lee watching mm-hmm. Enter the Dragon. No joke. I don't remember life before that. I remember being four years old and seeing the first like archetype of a superhero. Wow. And that that planted a seed in me. And I and I. Um, basically was raised as a traditional martial artist for 25 years of my life. And I, and I was an Olympic hopeful for Taekwondo when I was 19, 20, 21. Um, I, I mean, I was on that, that scale and that was my identity. Like I, my life was saved when I was a teenager, when I was 15 years old. Um, I was very deep into my martial arts, but I was in a stage in my adolescence where I kind of got lost and I wasn't sure of myself. Nobody around me was had that same sense of themselves. But when you're 15 years old, a lot of times, and you, you have a broken family, you don't have the, the guidance that some other people might have. You don't really know how real that is. Yeah. So you get caught up in like, 
hanging out, trying to um, be good enough for girls or for your peers that are just as lost, if not way more lost, but they have a, they have a good cosmetic masquerading, Totally, uh, you know, they're good at covering it up. Right. Um, so anyways, I remember I was in limbo. Like I knew that I wanted to be a world-class competitor and it, it, it was actually a conflict at a point where it kept pulling at me, but I kept medicating myself. Mm. And then a voice came to me when I was working out and it was, it was as clear as anything I can remember. It said, do you think you're going to live forever? Wow. And it was like a lightning bolt shot through my body and I woke up. Huh. And I literally, the next day I started removing myself from the, the marijuana, from the parties and, and, and the people that weren't aligned with me. And I found myself pretty much obsessively in the gym, in the, the Taekwondo Academy, basically giving my life over to it like a religion. Wow. And so it changed my life. And, but, you know, I created an identity from that because that identity was my saving grace. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. But then, you know, when I was about 23, I was hit with a situation where I, I was given an ultimatum and that identity no longer could get me through the next stage of my growth and evolution. And then I had to change identities. I had to take everything that meant something, all the hard work, everything. And I had to change the goal quickly. I had to change the vision very quickly and transfer all that energy and discipline over to the next thing. Yeah. And I find that um, I've been doing that my whole life. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because oftentimes we can look back at our life and feel like we wasted something. Even if we've completely dedicated ourselves to something we're passionate about, when it doesn't pan out the way that we think it, it was going to or it should have, we think, damn, you know, I feel like I just I have nothing to show for that. I, I wasted all that time or, or I didn't achieve my goal. And then it's interesting. I was talking with my friend Elijah Ray and we were talking about this idea that Nothing in your life is actually wasted. Everything, yeah. life will use up everything for you. And sometimes you have a vision for your life, but it's not actually about you um, achieving that goal. The goal is so far away from you that it needs to be, it needs to be compelling enough to pull you towards it. Yes. But not because of you getting it, because it's going to require you to develop the characteristics and qualities, um, of, you know, achieving that goal. But again, it's not about the goal. It's actually about you becoming the, the kind of person that could achieve the goal independent yeah. of getting the goal. That's so huge. You know, I, I have so many people who say, you know, I've got this massive vision on my heart and I've been going at it so hard for however many years and I don't understand why it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that's what I remind them. It's not about the goal. It's not about the results. It's not about the outcome. Like, yes, I get it. We're in this goal centered, goal focused world, but it's not about the goal. It's about who you become in the process of the goal. It's about the becoming. It's about who you expand yourself into be so that you can then open yourself up to another possibility that might be more aligned for your life. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said. Like, I believe that with you. Nothing in life is wasted. Nothing. Everything has a purpose. And I, I believe in this beautiful, like, paradigm dance of, you mm. know, 
fates and, and destiny, but also free will. Mm. And, and I believe they kind of intertwine and they dance together. And as we make our choices with our free will, we're always kind of divinely guided within those choices, even if, you know, it takes us down a path that might seem wrong or might seem bad for a little while. That path is perfect for what we might need to do, you know, five, 10, 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny about your response um, for me is that I didn't, I, I forgot to, to ask the question, but you pretty much just gave me the answer. And the the question was going to be towards, this this um reinvention right that was kind of what i was leaning on was sharing that was that i had created in a self identification that i was an olympic caliber athlete or martial artist or eventually basketball player um or entrepreneur or world leading health motivational speaker like these are all um you know, a lot of people will say don't identify with these things, but I have to say that these I have a different approach because these references have given me a direction. And mm-hmm. I found that um, I, I if I can take the essence of who I am in these circles of my life and transfer it, then I'm not actually becoming overly identified with the idea. I'm using it as a as a kind of like a guidance post. Sure. And in that way, I can keep switching, right? I can keep as life flows, I can adjust and change my identification and reinvent myself. Yeah. And you know what? Like, what you just touched on is what we're all actually doing at all times, because I believe that we create our reality. I believe that we create everything that we see as quote unquote true is created by our thoughts, our words, our actions and our beliefs. Right. So you identifying as whatever you identify with in whatever moment you identify with it is creating a particular reality that reflects that. So in any moment, if I'm identifying as depressed, if I'm identifying as, you know, tired, if I'm identifying as sick, my reality is going to reflect that. And people, you know, we have, we have science now that is proving this. We have science now that is proving this. And people for, for many years thought that this was just kind of like esoteric BS, right? Like, okay, thoughts become things. That's cute. Whatever. Science is now proving that this is actually the case. So we can keep pretending like that's not how it works, but that's how it works. (laughs) And you know, the truth is you and I could be in the same room witnessing the same content in the same room, but we're going to have two completely different experiences of it because of who we identify ourselves to be. Mm. And that, that completely peppers our response to reality completely peppers it. Mm, so what kind of looking glass are you or what kind of lenses are you looking out into the world? And then that feeds you back through your brain actually has um, some people call it the, the reticular activating system. There's yep. other kind of modalities of the brain that that function as a filtration mechanism. So there's so much data coming at us. We would go into a state of like psychosis. Like this is what people like Bashar channelers and, and deep mystic educators um, or teachers kind of talk about is that there's so much stuff coming at us that our brain is not capable of taking it all taking it all in. Otherwise, our nervous system would pretty much fry out. So we have oh. we have like memes, right? We have paradigms that help us filter in the more relevant or even biased information that is relevant to how we identify ourselves to be. Totally. 
Totally. And that's, that's such an important thing for people to get because when they actually understand that their, their programming, their filtration system, the game changes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the game changes. Let me, okay. Let me touch on that with you. Um, how did that change for you? Like, like, uh, I'm just curious. I don't have a long question, but I just, yeah, that's the question. Like how, how on that, on that note, when did like, was there like a shift where you changed how you were filtering things in? Like, I'm sure there was, but I'm kind of, yeah. I, you know, I'd say, and this is in complete transparency, the shift is occurring all the time. Like, I think my awareness has shifted. You know, I think there was a moment where I actually got that where like, oh yeah, this is real and I create my reality. And I I can't remember the very first one, but it was, oh, you know what it was? Like my very first moment was when I said yes to this burning vision inside of me to serve and to use my voice for good. When I said yes to it, I literally, I quit the entertainment industry and it was like a move that everyone said I was crazy for even considering. Everyone's like, what are you doing? You're turning down all this money. You've built an empire. What are you doing? And I just had this deep knowing within me that if I trusted that knowing, everything would be okay. And I had no like scientific data or proof to tell me otherwise, you know, like my (laughs) bank account was like, um, no, you're not going to be okay. Uh uh Um, but I, I picked up, I, I moved my clothes and my books from New York. I left my place fully furnished, rented it out, moved to LA. I had no idea what I was doing, had no idea where I was going to start. I invested all my savings into building the business that I'm sitting in right now and sitting on right now. And I had no results that told me anything other than this is going to fail. Like, you know, I had people that were receptive, but by no means was I getting attention on social media. By no means was anybody even looking, but I was consistent. I was committed. I was such a yes to my vision. And I was such a yes to trusting that deep voice within me that I knew that there was no other option. So, so, you know, my reticular activating system found these moments to confirm it. They, Mm -hmm. you know, these little things I kept going, yes, you're on the right path. Keep going. This is working. Even though it doesn't feel like it's working, it's working. And sure enough, I just started to see how it unfolded, you know, and, and I'm sure Preston touched on this. Like we were in the game before it was cool to like be in the game and do videos and have a podcast and, you know, any of that stuff. And because we had to be, you know, it was like the voice within us was calling so loudly that we had to answer it. Mm. And, and we did it for a really long time without anybody even taking notice. And, you know, I think my awareness of that and my trust in that, that awareness does not go away now. It's like my eyes have been open. I see that it works. So now it's about constantly catching my old patterning and my old programming of Oh, I'm tired today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I just, I feel like crap today. And then I start to notice, oh, there's my awareness. Start to notice how the domino effect occurs, right? How then I say, I, I make a declaration, oh, I'm tired or oh, I don't feel good. Then all of a sudden my reality meets me there and I start to see it. So now I play this game and it's just about having the awareness 
Number one. Number two, not judging myself, good or bad, just going, huh, that's interesting. Okay. And then three, going, what do I choose now? And that step number three is everything. Because when I, when I have the awareness and I go, okay, I'm not going to judge it, but what do I want to choose now? Sometimes I want to choose to like sulk, you know, sometimes as a human, I just want to have like an off day and be okay with that. You know, sometimes I just want to like not be on fire all the time, you know? And then some days, most days I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to choose a different reality. Like I actually feel okay. It was a bad moment and I got a great lesson from that quote unquote bad moment. And I'm going to move on with positivity and love and happiness because I made a choice to, to see that. And so I do think it's like, it's a process. I'm always in the process of, of recognizing the switch, you know, and, and I don't know if I'll always be in that process, but right now it feels like it's, it's overriding the human thing, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, can I override my, my human ego that wants to be, you know, stuck in victim mode, that wants to be stuck in blame, that wants to be stuck in fear and doubt and scarcity, and can I override it and go into spirit mode, which is trust mm-hmm. and just freaking mm-hmm. trust and let go and surrender and know that all will be well. Yeah. This brings up such an interesting um, point of view that, that I've had for many years as using my life as a laboratory and yes. reflecting back what comes up and then also using other people in my immediate circles of influence or even people that I just bump into as holographic reflections in some way, somehow, right? To like, okay, what is this? What is this revealing to me about me in some way? And it's interesting too, because to the point that you're sharing, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, because this is kind of improvising, like we're improvising our life. We don't have a manual for what we're doing. Like there's a manual for how to work a nine to five. Like we understand how that works, right? But for what we're doing, it's kind of improvising. And so we kind of feel like a ship without a rudder sometimes. And it's it's an interesting, I'm kind of like, I grew up with Anthony Robbins and Taking the, the, I really focus on patterns. Yeah. I'm always looking at the patterns because the patterns reveal the secrets of the universe for me, how things actually work. And one of the patterns I've noticed is that when you make a convicted choice, when you make a, when you, when you initiate with God that you want something or you want to change, um, a lot of us don't realize that immediately after everything's going to hit the fan. Oh yeah. Like things are going to start unraveling to whatever degree they do. But it's interesting because then people take it as like, Oh, see, like, you know, everything's going crazy. Mercury retrograde, blah, blah, blah. It's like, (laughs) hold on. Let's look at the pattern. When did this start? Oh, you were in deep meditation and you had a moment of like resolve with the, with the creator. And you were in a moment of like complete clarity Got it. Okay, so you actually pushed the button, and now your old world is unraveling so you can start over new. That's it. And, you know, people, it's almost like it's the it's the cosmic joke, I call it. Uh-huh. The minute you make a commitment, the minute you make a decision that is so, like, outside of the person that you've known yourself to be, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, comes in and tests your commitment. Yeah. It goes, okay, that's cute. I'm glad <laughs> you made a commitment. I'm glad you made this decision, but let's see how committed you are to it. 
I'm going to throw a bunch of shit at you and see if you stand firm in your commitment or if you run. And here's the crazy thing. 99.9% of the population runs right back to their comfort zone of who they know themselves to be, who they used to be, of their old patterns, their old conditioning, because it's scary. But the reason why certain people are successful and other people are not, and this is obviously, I'm using success as a very broad term here, so I believe we've all got our different definitions of it. But in terms of success in the world, it's because the people who stand with their feet firmly planted in their commitment, they win every single time. Mm -hmm. Even if their result does not look like what they thought it would look like. They still win because they get to know themselves as a person of resolve, commitment, and mastery. Mm -hmm. And that is such a rare thing in this world. And that, to me, is the juice of life. Mm -hmm. And it's the secret. Yes. And um, what come, kind of, what came up for me as I'm listening to you is it brings it back to one of the original um, points that we were discussing is that I, I you know, I, I kind of have to laugh with myself and just give myself a pat on the back for the whole journey. And I realize that it's really the discomfort that creates the dis-ease and the yeah. distress and, and um and so for me, it's funny because I look back on my life path and what was uncomfortable was like stepping onto a world championship stage, you know, competing against athletes from Korea and from Russia and, and you know, these, these, uh, what for most people, a prospect of stepping into the ring, like as a, as a martial artist and potentially getting knocked out, kicked in the head, blah, blah, blah. Like for most people, that is really uncomfortable. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, because of my identity, because of the obsessive work ethic and the passion for it, um, it what was uncomfortable became comfortable because I was raised through um, with Eastern methodologies of meditation, of yeah. centering myself, breath work, and stepping into the discomfort. I mean, so the point is, um, I realized that. Even though I'm not doing that anymore in those arenas, I took I, – I didn't lose that. So like those qualities for me were developed to do the work that I do now, which, you know, for the, for the kind of the voice that I have for, um, you know, a lot of the important matter – the important things I believe in. For a lot of people, it's very um, discomforting to speak so strongly and so passionately about what one believes in. Yeah. Um, what was the point of that? Um, darn, I think I lost my, my original point. Um, but yeah, that, that, you know, that just, that's just what comes up for me is that it, it's, you know, your life, if you look back on your life, you will see references that have given you gifts to embody that higher state of comfortability in what is, um, what may seem discomforting. Totally. And, you know, that's that's what we're always doing as human beings is we're always, you know, listen, I don't care how you're raised. I don't care 
what, you know, if you grew up in the slums or if you grew up with the wealthiest parents in the world, we all start out at the same place. We all have to learn how to walk, right? But first we got to learn how to crawl. But first we got to learn how to move our, our legs and our hands. But first we got to learn mobility in our fingers. Right. You know, and there's always, if we go all the way back to the beginning, we all started at the same place of being completely uncomfortable in our own bodies, right? And then all of a sudden with a little bit of practice and a lot of tenacity and commitment, there's that word again, mm. all of a sudden that, that uncomfortable, oh, I, I don't know how to use my hands is now like, I don't even think about picking something up. As a kid, I had right. to, you know, we had to be so intentional. Each foot had to go in front of the other and we fell so many times and now we can, you know, run four minute miles and climb mountains and swim under the sea. We can do all this stuff because what used to be our ceiling, learning how to walk is now our floor. Like we don't even think about that. So now the new ceilings are creating a vision or a business or a brand or competing in the Olympics in martial arts or whatever, you know, like we, we have these new arenas, whatever arena it is, that at first is going to be completely out of our comfort zone. But guess what? You get in that arena day in and day out. You enter the dojo, as they say in martial arts, Mm -hmm. day in and day out, and you do it not to win, but just to be in the practice of it. Like, (laughs) done. Now all of a sudden, like, you'll look back five years from now and be like, oh my God, that used to be so hard for me. Now it's like second Mm -hmm. nature. What's next? And that's, that's the gift, right? Is we can... We can blow past that that discomfort. We can blow past our our limitations by just trying, by just doing, by taking the action and being persistent with our commitment day in and day out, not for the sake of winning, not for the sake of being better, not for the sake of like making sure that we're worthy, but for the sake of just being in the practice. There's such a beauty about surrendering to the practice of life because life doesn't really mean anything other than the meaning that we give it. Right. So that's my belief, at least. So for me, I want to give everything meaning. I want to give my food meaning. I want to give my relationships meaning. I want to give my work meaning. I want to give my walk on the beach meaning. And showing up in the arena or the dojo of whatever space you're in, whether you're a real estate agent, a yogi, a nutritionist, whatever your thing is, can you show up every single day with massive intention to give it meaning that matters to you because that's, that's all it's about. It's so funny you say that. I, I was just remembering um, there was a point in my, <clears throat> my martial arts career where I, it was so crazy now that I look back on it because it was actually, no, it wasn't. Okay. So anyways, just really quickly um, to, to further qualify what you just said, um, I was at a tournament and I had um, I had gone into the final round with um, this guy who was like a national renowned competitor, and he pretty much schooled me, right? Like he pretty much just like picked me apart. And I remember leaving the fight, and I was so excited. Like I got I got I didn't score one point. Like it was it was like bad, right? But I remember smiling so hard because I realized I was like I'm there. Yeah, I got to I got to be in the ring with this guy who's where I want to be. And that wow. means something like it doesn't matter that I didn't that I, I didn't uh, win or I didn't even do that great. Like I did amazing because I did it and I'm totally. here and that gate and that that gave me 
something that winning wouldn't have given me. Yeah. Um, so I really, yeah, I really feel like that's so beautiful. Just the, just the ability to step into the fold, step into the arena is everything. It is. And imagine if people had that mindset for just like day to day life, right? Like, wow, I'm here. Wow. Like think of how much I get to learn from being here with these amazing people, with this amazing opportunity of work, with this amazing opportunity of breath wow, I'm here. Like, what a game changer that would be if we actually lived our day-to-day life like that. That's how I feel being here with you. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. This is such an awesome conversation. I love it. Yeah. And you know, I, so, okay, I'm looking at the the timer here and um, it's a loose timer. It's not real too, too limited, too restricted, but I do have to bring this up um, with the time we have. So I talked to, I talked to Preston about this from a male's perspective and the, what I want to present, uh, the question, I guess, is that, um, I'm really curious, what has your experience been, um, being in a dynamic relationship where you, you both have your individual passions and purposes and Mm -hmm. you're working and you're dedicated to those individually, but you're also working together, not just professionally, but in an intimate relationship. Um, we were talking about from a male's perspective of a man having to be on purpose as a, as a, just part of his genetic kind of like, um, code, right? Men are very much like needing to be on their mission, so to speak. And so sometimes that can cause a conflict with us wanting to be committed to another partner and so from a, from your perspective, I'm curious, what has that been like for you? Like to be so bound, um, with your partner and also to create the necessary space for each one of you to be, um, committed to your personal path. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I grew up in a very, uh, masculine energy home. You know, my parents are both entrepreneurs, uh, both extremely driven. Um, so for me, the masculine energy is dominant. Like that's how I was brought up. I grew up an athlete. I grew up with most of my friends being guys, um, because I just related to the, the efficient getter done kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's interesting for me in partnership, I have zero issue, uh, balancing. I don't even want to say balance. Cause I think that word is overused and not correctly used at times. Um, but I have no issue being all in on my work and being all in on my vision and being all in on like bringing this vision to the world. That's where I thrive. I thrive on, on building systems. I thrive on building backends. I thrive on bringing massive big ideas and actually making them happen. You know, I think a lot of creatives have these massive big ideas and can't do anything about it mm-hmm. um, because they lack the system and the structure. And that just comes really naturally to me. Um, now in balancing that with Preston, It's interesting because, and in any partnership, I'll speak to my partnership with Epic as well, I attract my opposite. Mm -hmm. So Tennille, in my nonprofit, she's very, very much in her feminine. She's very much trusting the process. She's very much in surrender. She's very careful about there being love and, and compassion in the process. Whereas for me, I'm more focused on, okay, 
outcome, structure, implementation. So we balance each other out really well. And she's actually learning so much from me. And I've been learning so much from her on how to bring more of that care and heart into what we do. Now, Preston and I, because what we do is so multifaceted, we have so many different, I guess, arms from what we do. Um, it's great because it's the same thing. You know, I, I can build the websites, I can build the systems, I can build the courses, I can build the structure of, you know, traveling and book all of our workshop venues and send out tickets and emails. I can do all that. Do I love it? No, I'm, I'm more of a creative, but, um, I can do all that. Right. And Preston does, he's more of the outside of the box thinker. You know, that's his genius. His genius is let's, everyone's going right. Let's go left. Mm -hmm. And I've learned so much from him just challenging the status quo where I always thought I challenged the status quo, you know, because I was always pretty radical and always was kind of like an innovator and a a starter. I would blaze a, a trail before no one even knew there was a trail there. But with Preston, he's like, well, yeah, let's blaze a trail and let's do it with like pink fireworks. And I'm like, well, shit, I never thought about pink fireworks on the trail, you know? So I love that about Preston and I love that we've got um, so many unique gifts to bring to the table that, you know, weren't necessarily cultivated in, in myself. And I know, you know, for him, he could say the same thing for me. There are certain things about how I work that he never had cultivated in his, his upbringing. So that's really beautiful. Now in bringing it back to the relationship and the intimate partnership, what's been a game changer for us is recognizing that our relationship is so much bigger than us, like so much bigger than us. It's, it just so happens that we freaking love the crap out of each other and that we're attracted to each other and that we're so immensely turned on by the other person's heart and soul and passion. Um, but it's so much bigger than that. And, and we truly get that we were brought together for, for a bigger purpose. We were brought together to really unite our gifts and to create something way more expansive than what we could have done by ourselves. And in saying that, we also get to remember that we're still human. And we also get to remember that we still have human needs and that we still want to feel loved and needed and wanted and um, all of those things. So Preston and I really make it a priority to bring play into what we do. That's why we travel. If you look at all of our videos, we shoot each other's videos. Um, and we travel because why not? If we're going to work, let's go see some cool places and do some cool stuff in the process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we make sure we have fun. We make sure we're constantly being giant five-year-olds. We make sure that we don't take ourselves too seriously because, like, so many people in this work, they take themselves so seriously. And it's like, are you having fun under there? Are you having fun under there? Because you better be having fun. Because what's the point, right? What's the point if you're not having fun and, and enjoying this life? And, and that's really been our biggest work, you know, besides all the other stuff that comes in being in relation with another human, like figuring out how they operate, figuring out what their standards are, figuring out what their agreements are. And that's like a workout in itself. But the biggest work that we're committed to as, you know, as we're coming up on our wedding in a, you know, a little over a month at this point, and mm-hmm. as we're building this life together is, can we can we dance between this powerful 
burned on our hearts, burned on our soul commitment that we have for the world with play and not taking it too seriously and enjoying every single moment and really being lighthearted about the whole thing because it's life and life is what we, we make it right. And yes, we can make it this like incredible mission driven thing, but we also want to make it joyful and serene and peaceful and fun and outrageous and ridiculous and all of that. <laughs> hmm. Great answer. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I really appreciate this conversation. I know everyone listening, especially if you're listening now, obviously you enjoyed this conversation. Um, <laughs> What, what like parting words or insights would you leave for everyone? And then I definitely want you to share your new book, your, uh, you know, where people can find you, all that. Yeah. Parting, parting insight. Um, God, you know, the biggest thing it's, it's a constant like duh moment for me. And I just want to share it because I'm constantly reminding myself of this is just be you. You know, just, Mm -hmm. just really be you because the world is hungry for you. There's way too many, you know, Kim Kardashians. There's way too many Kobe Bryant's. There's way too many Steph Curry's. There's way too many people trying to be everyone else. Just be you, you know, and, and it's so refreshing when we meet people who are just so themselves and so, you know, unapologetic about it. There's just something so beautiful and, and attractive about that. And, I think it's because we all secretly are dying to be ourselves. And when you can tap into that, that the truth of who you are and shine that truth out into the world, it gives other others permission to do the same. And I think, you know, if anything, if that's all you do with your life is be yourself, then you won. Like, that's amazing. That's, that's all you're here to do is to just be you. And, I'm constantly reminding myself of that as I find myself, you know, in comparison conversations or, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is doing this and da-da-da. It's like, just be you, Lex. Just be you. Do what's on your heart to do. Create what's on your heart to create and just keep doing you. And and I'll share that that reminder that I always give myself to you guys because it's it's been the game changer for me. It's been the thing that has, has completely just opened up everything because the universe god allah buddha whatever you want to call it whatever name's on the door for you is waiting for you to show up it's like there's this divine amazing incredible inspiring abundant life beyond your wildest dreams but you can't see it yet because you're wearing somebody else's glasses Hmm. the minute you take their glasses off and you see it with your own eyes and you're living life from your own reflection it's all there and it feels like it's easy in a way because it's like, whoa, how'd this all happen? And it's just because you decided to say yes to you. So just say yes to you because you're all that your soul wants anyway. So any emptiness you feel, any you know depression you feel, any lack of love that you feel, it's an absence of you. And just remember that. Whenever I'm in a slump, I remind myself that something within me is missing. And there's a wholeness or an expression of myself that's not coming through yet. And I, it's my responsibility to tap into that. Mm. Beautiful. And where can everyone um, get a hold of your new book? Yeah. 
Yeah. So if any of you want um, to find my new book, the website is 50 ways to yay. That's Y A Y.com. Um, or you can find it through my website, alexipanos.com. And I, I urge you guys, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram um, and YouTube. It's just at Alexi Panos. Um, I actually really love connecting with people and making it not just about thumbs up, but actually getting comments and commenting back and realizing that there's a human sitting behind a computer. <laughs> I think there's like something really awesome about that. And it's like, oh, yay, this person's real. And it's not just a thumbs up. You know, I think too often we look at social media and we're like, oh, 50 likes, 300 likes. Like, but who are these people? I want to know who you guys are. I'm like so fascinated and curious about mm-hmm. it. So Please comment. Please reach out. Say hello. Let me know where you're from and uh, let me know that you found me on here. Mm. Amazing. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Mm. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our amazing guest and Check out her work. Check out her book. Um, listen to this this conversation as many times as you feel inclined to, as many times as you want to, and in these, and you'll hear something new every time. That's why I love this podcast and being able to be a facilitator for these unbelievable and deep conversations because new messages will come up, new insights will come up through you listening to these things, whatever resonates with you, take that, put it into action, put it into meditation, whatever your flow is, just put it into yourself and let it bloom um, as you go through your life and you go through your journey. So thank you so much for joining us today and we will see you guys or I guess you'll hear from me and on my next guest on the next episode. Thank you so much and much aloha.